Last time on The Incorrigible Party. Shaft finds paladins waiting for him inside of Kepley's exchange. His relationship with the elder halfling clearly disclosed to the paladins of Coltis. Dispatching them and preventing his would-be captors from alerting the circling airships above the city. Kepley constructs a lead container for the second Eye of Dendar, before packing his things to flee the city of Trukal. And now, the adventure continues. Kepley has a kind of a, a bit of a bulging bag kind of slung over his shoulder with, you know, his his hat that, uh, that he, his special hat and some shoes and clothes and Pretty much, not too much, really, but he's ready to go, so... Uh, where, to, where, where to now, my boy? Right, let's head out the back. I, I sort of go over to the back window, sort of pull the curtain back a little bit, and sort of peep out, see if I see anybody moving around, any paladins or anything. Does look deserted. Let's head out the back. We, we gotta get the lags. Uh, I think I know a good pathway. Sort of keeps us off the trail. Let's, let's go. And sort of go out the back door, open it up very slowly, you know, creep out a little bit into the the back alley, and then sort of pull Kepley along, occasionally just looking back at him, going shh. What? <laughs> he's like grunting and oh, yes, 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 yes uh, of course, of course, under the the weight of the bag, his bag that he's packed. <laughs> perhaps, uh, <laughs> perhaps I took a, a, a few too many things there. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to bring all the things that make noise. <laughs> Well, it's very fine silverware in there. Uh, you, uh, just walk slow. <laughs> Creeping down the d- deserted streets, right? As it, again, it's it's like nearly midnight here. Uh, the streets are, are fairly well abandoned and empty. But as you are moving towards Cliff's Edge, kind of like when you were leaving Hannah's district, as you draw closer, the sounds of, of shouting... You can hear it. They, they start to grow louder. But these these are clearly antagonistic shouts uh, rather than like, uh, you know, celebratory noises like the the part the street party that was going on, right? Because the blue lights got shut down. You can make out numerous voices just yelling expletives, others shouting for calm and order. And low enough to like nearly scrape the tops of the buildings, you can see a paladin airship hovers above a growing crowd as you know you're you're block block and a half kind of down the street right sticking to the shadows you can make out you can see the people in the street as as the the big like searchlight the big enormous bullseye lantern right strapped to the deck is illuminating the street outside of the cliff's edge there's a line of paladins that has formed uh, from like one side of the street to the other each brandishing like a large wooden shield that they have up in front of them creating this this barrier more paladins are kind of formed up behind them with their weapons drawn you know their their numbers are kind of slowly growing as you see additional troops are climbing down long rope ladders that have been flung over the side of the airship there's like dust clouds and trash kind of being kicked up around this, the paladins and the and the other people in the street from the wings of the airship that are just keeping it aloft, you know, as it's hovering very low to the ground. And you can actually see on this airship, like you can make out the, 
just barely the the words rising four on the hull of it but they've it's been like splattered over hastily with a fresh coat of paint but obviously like it would take it needs a few before you can get rid of those words so you can kind of see it like poking through through this freshly anointed uh, layer of paint but squared off against this kind of like paladin riot wall are a large group of cliff's edge patrons Predominantly, as you know, uh, orcs and half-orcs, and they're yelling and jeering, clearly the source of the sound that you heard on your approach. Some of them are armed as well, and you recognize those few as being like fighters from the pit. Some of which maybe you've placed a bet or two on, lost or won, <laughs> you know, uh, from, from your time drinking and, and being in the cliff's edge. But several of the patrons, they're sporting like bloody lips and bruises, clearly having already some like physical conflict with the paladins. There's a, a tentative, like, six, uh, five, six-foot gap between both groups, like this, almost like this no-man's land, right? It kind of shrinks and then widens as either side shifts backwards and forwards. And you can see your acquaintance, Tulk, the, you know, rather than being out in the streets calling for fighters to come in and join the fight, right, as he had kind of propositioned Mia and Shikaro as the party had come here uh, a number of days ago. But you see he's only, he's really the only one that's like attempting to de-escalate things. He's pushed his way into this no man's land. Come now, this this is, isn't necessary. We, we've got fights inside to conduct bets and glory to be won. He motions to like a solidly built dwarf near the front of the crowd spouting particularly vile trash talk towards the paladins. Ah, I'm a Rumkey, a rising star, a champion in the making. Watch him face off against his biggest threat ever, Gilgamesh. Legend says that Gil's mother was a giantess, endowing him with giant strength and fortitude. What a battle! Win your fortune betting on this underdog, Rumkey. And like his cries are just getting swallowed up by the jeers of, of the patrons. So I don't see lag right now. No, so you're kind of, you're like behind the paladin line right now. Yeah, but the the uh, fighters and everybody that are out there sort of in the, the other side of this line, and I recognize somebody, but I don't see lag, the owner of uh, the cliff's edge. You do not. All right. Do I uh, see any kind of, uh, this is all out in the front, I guess, of the cliff's edge, right? Is there... Is this wrap around the building, or is it just on the front edge? No, it's it's just like in the street out front. Uh, I mean, this particular section of it has been clearly cut off by the paladins, but it's less of like meant to be a roadblock. Clearly, it's meant to be as like this this uh, reaction to this growing crowd. So it would not be difficult for you to just kind of get around them, right, and come up behind and essentially to the other side of this this street. Uh, should you still want to approach the cliff's edge? Yeah, um, I do. I'm going to try to sort of circle around. I grab Kepley and, and sort of move back maybe a, a, you know, a block or so, so and then you know, go around in the back alleyways. I'm looking up at the, uh, the Rising Four. Uh, do I see like, people that are you know, controlling the ship? Can I see the people on deck if they're that low, like over the edge of the, the ship? So it's, it's basically like hovering you know, 20 feet above the street over top some of the lowest buildings around the cliff's edge. And the cliff's edge is only a single story building. So it's 
fairly close to you and you can kind of see figures moving up on the deck the angle you know obviously you don't have the the a clear view of what's going on across the entirety of, of the, the ship's deck but again you you do see some some like paladin deck hands up there most of them kind of watching from from the deck it does seem like there there's at least a couple dozen you know two to three dozen paladins in the street uh, and again, a kind of a, a larger number of, of like Cliffsheads patrons that they're standing off against. Okay, so I'm I'm specifically looking for a Grimby or Drag or somebody that I know was on the ship, and I don't seem to see anybody that I know up there. No, no, you don't see any signs of, of Grimby, Dreg, Hulsa, or Braun on the ship. Then I'm going to continue on. Come on, Kepley, let's go around back. Uh, there's another way in. And try to navigate myself around without being seen, of course. Okay. Uh, why don't you give me a stealth? Uh, 14. Okay. Kepley got a 10. <laughs> As Kepley's <Okay>. bag is <laughs> jingling and jangling with his, his precious silverware. <laughs> <laughs> so in order for you to, you know, you're, you're, so you're on like a, you would be on like the left side of this street, cliff's edge on the right with, with between you and, and the building itself, the paladin. So now you've kind of moved further around to your left, right, to get to essentially the other side of the street. So you still need to cross that street. And as you are doing so, you certainly do get noticed. But as you or sorry, not you, actually, Kepley gets noticed. But as you you've like made it to the other side, right, uh, kind of the corner of the cliff's edge to, to get around it. And Kepley's like in the middle hauling his bag, right? And he clearly <laughs> being seen by both patrons and palons like, but as the two of you are progressing across the street, two like slovenly looking humans stumble through these simple wooden doors that serve as the front entrance to the cliff's edge. Clearly heavily inebriated, drinks in hand. They're already like shoving at each other. One of them pushes hard against the other, sending them sprawling into the back of, of the crowd that's kind of standing off against the paladins, you know, knocking into this burly orc who turns around shoves this human back, sending him stumbling again. And this guy, he swivels around, still kind of off balance, but his arm stretching back before releasing this bottle of booze in his hand at the orc. And it sails high, because he's still off kilter, over the crowd, smashing against a paladin shield. Both sides immediately erupt into action. Talk still caught in the middle. His pleading caught off into like squawks and cries as both sides <laughs> press in, slamming against each other. The paladins clearly outnumbered. They're kind of being driven backwards in the street now. This almost like phalanx wall of shields they've put up. Errant blades and, and maces being swung over the shield wall at the pressing bodies. But there's a break in the line as enough riders kind of get their hands on the top of one of these paladin shields, ripping it from their arm, trampling that paladin as, you know, these bodies immediately flood through the space in this shield wall and an all out brawl has just, just broken. Uh, the, you know, the weapon, the weaponless throwing like drunken haymakers fairly ineffectively, right? The actual like fighters from the pit, they're, they're drawing most of the focus from the paladins, right? As they're just tossing around cultists devoted. And it's like pandemonium now outside of the cliff's edge. Now's our chance. I grab Ketley's bag and I put it over my shoulder. I go, come on, we got to move fast. And do I know another way into this or do I have, do I, can I figure I can navigate my way through this brawl 
being two little guys, you know, sort of, you know, finding our way in and then heading into the front door, or uh, is there a uh, another way that I might know to get into this place? Well, I'm honestly from the uh, from the from the corner where you are. Like, you have a straight shot to the front door as the crowd itself. You know, like 20, 30 feet deep of these patrons, and then the wall of paladins away from from this front entrance. So. Yeah, the two of you would be able to get to the 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 front door. I mean, maybe noticed by those in the fighting, but like clearly everyone is occupied right now. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna go right for the front door. Uh, try to, you know, duck and dodge underneath the, the behind the paladins that are being engaged as these these uh, fighters are pummeling them and uh, just sort of you know go underneath their legs and crawl over and up into uh, up into the front door. As you do so, and I mean, it, it does look like nobody on either side is actually like going for kill shots here. Like there's clearly both the, the pit fighters and the paladins, like they're trying to subdue each other essentially. So it's not like, you know, people are getting, the weaponless are like getting hacked and slashed to pieces and just outright murdered in the streets here. It does, it is more of like, like a subdual process it seems. Still very violent, you know, blood splattered, noses are getting smashed, limbs, you know, elbows and knees maybe kicked out and trying to incapacitate people. But as you walk through and you push open those those wooden doors now, you're immediately hit with like the overwhelming smell of, of sweat, blood and booze that you're wholly familiar with being in the cliff's edge, right? The place is empty all but two figures. But in, in the center of, of cliff's edge, it, it's a jagged chasm that kind of splits open the stone floor of the inn. Nearly 50 feet long by 40 feet wide, takes up most of the available, most of the available real estate inside of this building. Like in some places it leaves as little as like 15 feet to walk by the edge of this pit and the wall of the inn. You know, chairs and tables kind of surrounding it. Many of them again, precariously like on the edge of this pit where the patrons would sit to watch the fights. And the pit itself is like 20 feet down with two large wrought iron gates that are set into the, the stone walls of the pit, kind of opposing each other. One entire far edge of the arena, so it would be like running parallel with the way the, the doors face each other, is this, like the arena gives off to, to a dark drop off into like depths of this kind of naturally formed chasm, clearly the inspiration behind the inn's name. All of which of course, I mean, Shaft, you've been here, you've watched fights here, you've, you've, you're you familiar with all of this. I would imagine Kepley's probably been here a couple times, maybe inside once or twice, you know, his, his own. Yeah, Kepley, he, it's not his thing, but he understands that that's uh, part to keep the, you know, keep people in town happy with a little bit of betting. I mean, Ke Kepley does not, uh, he's not one to turn away a clientele from all walks of life, as you know. But the two, there's two figures that they sit at the bar. Both of them are orcs and both of them are people that you know. The hulking Gilgamesh. He stands like seven feet tall, his arms as thick as your torso shaft. His bare chest is kind of crisscross and raised with scar tissue from, from years of fighting. And as you enter, as the two of you enter, his his hands kind of come up in front of his face, clench into tight fists, like they're ready to square off. And like fists like the size of watermelons. This orc is enormous. But seeing, you know, seeing who it is, he recognizes you. He kind of relaxes and goes back to just standing at attention with arms crossed in front of him. The other figure is, of course, Lag. He sits atop the bar, kind of he's got a, his own drink in his hand. 
And in stark contrast to Gilgamesh, Lag is actually quite short for a full-blooded orc. Like, only, like, standing, like, 5'6 at the max. His frame is, is wiry, almost more elf-like than anything, but still clearly, like, rigid and strong-looking, like, corded steel. Further contrasted against the interior of the cliff's edge, Lag wears, you know, he, he, keep, he keeps his clothing, like, well-kept, and clearly he has, like, tailored, like, a tailored tunic, uh, very form-fitting, the kind of the outlines of his, his sinewy muscles visible through the shirt as he moves, you know. He raises a glass as you enter. Well, if it isn't my favorite halfling. Oh, and of, of course, Shaft. Terrible for business you are. <laughs> well met, guys. How you been? Ah, come on, I, and I sort of walk over and get to the stool and sort of pull myself up on it. A little bit of trouble outside, I see. A little, little bit. Tell me, uh... Tell me at least you've 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 returned Gozer to me? The pits have been hungry for someone with her unique disposition. I reach over and I grab his drink and off the bar and slide it over and take a big swig and put it down and go. Unfortunately, uh Gozer's fallen. And Lag does like look genuinely disappointed. I hope she got her good death that she was always looking for. Uh yeah. It was a it was a good death. Uh, you'd be proud. Uh, another drink? <laughs> well, help yourself. As you can see, there's no bar staff left. Okay, so I start to lean over and, and pour another one out. Look over at Kepley. You want something? Oh, boy, I'm a, I am a little bit uh, frazzled. <laughs> yes, please, uh, give me whatever you'll have, my boy. Okay, I slide down. I can... Another one. Well, hey, Gil. Uh... We got a bit of a problem with the fellas outside. You know, the paladins. And I need some help. Wag kind of shakes his head a little bit. I did tell Kepley that I owe you a favor for what you returned to me. And he kind of motions behind him. And you see a pair of cestus mounted above the bar, one of which you retrieved from uh, Hannah's personal belongings. He continues, gives my fighters one more thing to strive for, as good a prize as they could hope for outside of gold and glory. Kepley says you want out of the city. That's that's true, uh, mainly to get Kepley out. I mean, you get him someplace safe. They're looking for him. You know, I might have had a small part in that, but we do. I am concerned that, that he's safe and and I need to get up to the, the Arknall Theater. Uh, somebody there I gotta meet and I gotta be able to get there without anybody seeing me. A small part, eh? You know, I wasn't sure what had changed. The paladins had no real interest in this humble part of Jukal. Then their patrols made it further and further west, looking for you, it seems, Shaft. Somehow they're under the impression that we're on the best of terms, that I would harbor a fugitive of the paladins and defy them at every turn. No listening to reason when dealing with a savage orc such as myself. Did you know we only speak in grunts? Any intelligible thing we have to say is of course a lie according to them. The only thing we're good for is to be enslaved for generations by some mad beings that fall from the skies. Did you know that? They didn't hear that from me. I, I haven't brought your name up. As you know, I am very tight-lipped on those kind of things. I don't know where they're getting this information. Well, Shaft, you know I abhor violence. When there isn't gold to be earned once it's finished, anyways. 
this nonsense outside that you've essentially brought to my doorstep, well, it doesn't gain me much, but it can still be leveraged. Sharpening my fighter's skills outside of the pit, maybe inspiring some others to enter the pits themselves after boldly taking a swing at a paladin or two? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good practice, right? And these, are, these guys aren't going to be here forever. They're only here for to get the things that they want, and then they're going to move on. And things will go back to normal. Now that Hannah's gone and Detmer's not around anymore, it's the perfect opportunity for you to, you know, expand into different areas of the Drakal. I did hear about Hannah and, of course, Detmer's disappearance. The latter of which I'm not very concerned over. The former, however, has seemed to cause a little more trouble than those interfering would have thought. What do you mean? With Hannah gone, I, I would think that would be to your benefit. Well, as tentative as it was, and as selfish as it was, Hannah's agreement with the Niyogi were the only thing keeping the city safe. Ah, uh, well, the Niyogi, let me tell you that they're not really somebody you want to bargain with. They may be in with you for a while, but their ultimate goal was to take over all of Aspara. Oh, I, I know all too well about the damned Niyogi. Why do you think I fled the mountains myself? I've done nothing since but work towards helping my kin still shivering and starving in the peaks of the Vorgarag. But there are none left to help. There's no free orc left in the mountains to get into the city. Hannah had her agreement that kept the Niyogi out of Drukal for as long as they were satisfied. But then when she went and got herself killed, and he... Again, raises a bit of an eyebrow as he says this. The creatures, they were here, immediately, under the city, taking the least fortunate of us. My people. So maybe you drawing the paladins to my part of the city has some other benefits to it as well. Yeah, possibly. I mean, we just came from the northern part, of course, where the, the blue light was, and, and there's no Neogi to be found anywhere. I think the city's relatively clear right now, but, you know, that's a, that's a, that's another whole problem. But you can make the same deal if, if they come back. Oh, I have no leverage. I have nothing to offer them. We, all we can do is simply beat them back from taking more of us. The light only drove them west. Only made our situation worse. I understand the Paladins are responsible for that, but they may also be the solution for their own problems they've caused. Uh, they're currently headed north to uh, try to rid the place of the Niyogi, and from what I understand, their leader, Samuel, has uh, acquired some weaponry that is going to help in that regard. And, you know, that that's a problem that I, I can't... I can't fathom right now dealing with. I've got too many other things going on. Well, as I said, I told Kepley I'd owe you one. There's only one way left I have out of the city that is not infested with Yogi. And if you want out of it, you'll have to head north towards the base of Mount Gromag. But there will be a fork. And if you stay to the right, you'll avoid that mountain exit. And you'll be just outside of the city limits. Other than that, through the city itself, you may have to take your chances. You've got to have a way you can 
I mean, you're 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 walking through town now, right? They're not bothering you. They're not looking for you, the paladins, right? I mean, why do you think a brawl broke out outside? I refuse to let them in. They came questioning of questioning me about you and my dealings with you. I refuse to answer. I refuse to play their game. Well, you want the paladins gone? I can help. As soon as I get out of town, they're going to follow me. They're going to know where I am as soon as I get clear, free and clear. And I have something they want. So, you help me is sort of like helping you. Uh, the real favor is just to uh, get Kepley safe, and we all want Kepley safe, right? I have no ill will towards Mr. Kepley. Uh, Kepley keeps this town running. Without uh, his services, it would damage your business for sure. He certainly plays his part. Good, then we're in agreement. Oh, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, my boy, I guess. Yes, yes, I do strive to, to work very uh, hard and uh, diligently, and uh, I build my clientele. All right, all right, shut up, Kepler, okay. shut up. Of course. So, it sounds like we got a deal. Then you'll be using the Mountain Pass? Yeah, but sh also, I need somebody, maybe, uh, maybe Gil here, to somehow get me up to the Arknall first. Maybe in a pack or something. He sighs, turns to Gilgamesh, and just kind of nods to him. Gilgamesh, you know, uncrosses his arms, and he'll, like, move behind the bar and down a flight of stairs. If you wish to be stuffed inside of a travel sack, then who am I to deny you your wishes? Let's not say wish. Let's just say it's necessity at this point. I have no uh, no fear that Gilgamesh will be unable to get you to the theater. Okay. I look over at Kepley. I go, "You're you're in good hands." So uh, I sort of lean over to him and I say, uh, "Go back and tell everybody I'm okay." What I'm uh, implying is telling him to go back to our hometown. Tell everybody I'm okay, and uh, I'll reach out to you when when everything's clear. Don't come back to Jakal until then. Oh, okay, my boy. Uh, I hate to part ways with you so soon. Uh, but thank you for the save. And be safe. Be safe, my boy. I down my ale, slam it onto the bar, and go, All right, Gail, let's go. The time but the present. As you finish your drink, in your head, you hear Shakara's voice. I am at Hannah's. Her bedroom. I will be here a while. I'll message again with changes. Hannah's place is pretty close to the Arknall, right? It's it is absolutely. It's like on the same street. It's in a, it's a few blocks away. It's uh, is very close. And last time I was there, it was still open for business, right? Uh, yes, as the last time that you were there was during the play of uh, Uzio and Goblinette. But it has since had the blue light covering the art and all, so therefore I know nobody's... Or, but the city's opened back up again, so people are going back into the into that area. You have, yep, you absolutely have seen people flooding back into uh, what was Hannah's district. All right, good to know. Okay, Gil, you got something? You got a pack? You got something you can put me in? And yet he does have... Uh, it looks very small on him. But it is like a travel sack, like a backpack. It's got two you know, shoulder straps and his motions and kind of grunts. Get in. 
and he kind of lowers himself down, and the flap of it is open. I get up on the stool, sort of stick a leg in, grab onto his head to, to balance myself, and try to slide in. Of course, my my weapons and everything are sort of, you know, giving me a little bit of trouble. So I sort of hold, you know, my uh, my scimitar and my sword out, and, and sort of slide it into his belt. And I go, "You're gonna have to hang on to these for me." And then uh, sort of stick to it. My head's popping out. Put the flap over so I can sort of get an idea. I can sort of look and see what uh, what's going on if I fit in pretty well. And uh, <laughs> say, all right, Gil, let's go. Okay, so you see uh, Lag leads Kepley down the same stairs that Gilgamesh had returned from. And you've, you have been down there. Like, that's where... Like there's fighters' quarters and there's, uh, you know, like a, a sparring place down there. Obviously, where uh, the entrance into the actual fighting pit is, like you, you have been down there before. But Gilgamesh just simply walks out the front door of the cliff's edge and kind of wades into the fray of what's going on outside. And you can see, like, there's from you peeking out, you know, as 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 Gilgamesh is moving past. And through, like, you're seeing, like, the trail behind him, right? So you're seeing, like, a number of, like, unconscious people, like, patrons and paladins. Uh, there's still a few people, like, slugging out, clearly exhausted. Gilgamesh, just anyone that kind of, any paladin that kind of approaches Gilgamesh, he just, one, like, meaty fist just kind of backhands away any attempts at taking him down. Like, he's just, like, a giant in the streets right now, right? And very quickly, he's just walking past and making his way kind of northeast towards the Arknot. Uh I'm just going to keep an eye out, sort of poke my head as we go along and sort of get a lay of the land here. What's, if anything's changed, paladins and, and such, things that are going on in the city. Because this is a pretty good distance we have to go, right? Yeah, it's definitely uh, over an hour that you'll have to walk. So, again, the... the the streets are, are deserted, right? We're, we're kind of pat, we're pat, past midnight, like almost into this next day. And you you kind of make it uh, cl- fairly close to Kepley's. It's a, a shortish distance from the cliff's edge to, to where Kepley's is possession, right? As Kepley's was on kind of that edge of, of the Detmer district and, and Lag's kind of district. But suddenly, like, the, the you can feel it through, like, vibrating through Gilgamesh and, like, into the pack that you're sitting on, like, this rumble uh, just a low and like you can hear it right just a, 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 a low and kind of brief shaking uh is this is this feel like the ground's shaking like something's under the ground bur- burrowing through the ground that that i may have uh encountered before kind of thing it i mean okay roll me a roll me a nature uh nine <laughs> okay it, it could be something similar. Uh, it clearly is, like, originating from, from from the Earth. But, you know, Gilgamesh kind of, like, he stops and he kind of looks down at his feet and then continues going as, as like, the rumbling stops. What's the problem, Gil, a little gassy? The streets. They shake. Ah, uh, that doesn't sound good. Uh, let's pick up the pace. And he will. He will start to, like, jog. A little bit, right? And only a few moment, a few more minutes pass, and then kind of a, a series of back-to-back rumbles again, and raining down from the sky. Like you can, you can hear before you see 
like it's as, as if like hail is hitting the top of the pack, that flap kind of over your head, right? And then you just see glowing and smoking bits of of rock is just raining down into the street, like as if as, as if it was raining debris uh, of, of of shattered rocks and, and and gravel. And looking towards north the 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 mountains, like you can see this growing red and orange glow from far into the mountain range. You know, so so Gilgamesh, like immediately you can hear him like grunting from from the, the red hot bits of rock hitting his flesh as he has no shirt, right? He's bare chested. And he seeks refuge, you know, under like some, some canopy of, of a building. Seconds later, you get another message from Shakara. Shaft, Mia blew up the mountains. Get out of Drukal. Meet at the Zexa Caves. So we're we're sort of off into this like outside of this rain of fire and debris, right? So it's not hitting us. We're inside of a building or inside or under cover of some kind. Yeah, and and the the the, the debris itself actually only lasts a few seconds, right? But as you as you take the, those moments, you know, Gilgamesh is taking the moments to take the cover. The the looming like you know how far away you can see like a looming mountain range right even if you're in the city so there may be sections of the city where some of the taller buildings blocks portions of it but really anywhere you are in drukal like you can see the Vorgarag mountains that's the size and scope of them right and you can see the tops of the three main peaks are just pouring torrents of lava clearly the the the, the source of the glow right this the eruption from the three main peaks and it is flowing down them and towards the city. Change of plans. Get me the hell out of the city. And he, he told me to go to Mount, the exit to Mount Gromag. Now, is that towards where the lava's flowing? Or I would assume it would be. It's all north, right? Yes. So Lag did say, like, the, the tunnel is the kind of escape tunnel that he's now set Kepley through. There's a fork. If you take a right at the fork, you won't go to the base of the mountains, but you'll end up kind of further east, just outside of the city limits, like on the other side of the wall of Drukal. Based on where the lava and or where all of the the explosion and everything's coming from, if we go back, backtrack to where Kepley went, and I go out the other way, do I think that would lead me closer to the danger? Well, obviously, you'll, you'll definitely lose time, because um, you really... With the distance, like, it's incredibly difficult for you to judge how quickly you think the city may be in peril from, if at all, from this flow. So you're going to lose time backtracking, but eventually, like, you already kind of want to move east, eastward, right? So how far would it be if he just takes me to the nearest exit and dumps me out of the city? The you you Currently, you would be closest to probably the southern gate. Okay. And Zexa is more of the southeast direction from where I am, correct? It's more, it's actually kind of almost directly east. So you would, you would go out, you would go past where the paladins had the tower set up through kind of the barren landscapes, like way, way back when the party first met in Zexa, that was kind of the path that they took to get back to Drakal. Like you've kind of walked that distance before as a party. So knowing all this, I think the the fastest, closest route to get to Zexa is what I'm going to say. You're going to need to take me to the gate. You need to take me, take me, or take me back. 
so I can get out of here. So based on what you said, I, I really want to go east. So if I can go whatever, however he can get me out fastest is where I want to go. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. If I go out to South Gate and then head straight across, that might be f- just about as fast as going out the Eastern Gate, but I don't have to go through the city. Yeah, you'll go through less of the city moving south. Yeah. Change your plans, Gil. Uh, I, I don't want anything to do with that. And I point over at the explosion area. Get me to the South Gate. I'm out of here. And Gilgamesh will turn and begin to just book it south. So as you're as you are, you know, again you're peering out the back uh, 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 the bag, right? More, more people are just now starting to flood into the streets. Obviously, being awoken, uh, or, or like aroused, uh, you know, awoken by the, by the rumbles and the booms as you as you hear the eruptions, the you know the raining debris, now kind of being replaced by almost like you know drifting like snowfall, but it's clear that it's ash. Starting to blanket the city, and any paladins that you you know pass now, like patrols, especially since you're you're, you're you need to head through Detmer's district now, right? So you're no longer um, you're in where you know paladins have been occupying and patrolling. You can see now high above the airships have once again kind of taken off. Their spotlights are now just rotating like lighthouses, like beacons. And they are again still flying low down across the streets, kind of over over clusters of, of you know Drakalians, and it looks like they are attempting to load as many people onto these ships as they can in some form of like evacuation, getting people out of the city. You know, you so so Gilgamesh really has no problem like sprinting to this this gate, and you, like you, you're not interrupted. There's maybe slow down a few uh, parts by the crowds that are kind of in a panic and they don't know what to do, but you get to the southernmost gate of Drakal. Yeah, I, I assume nobody's going to really get in Gil's way uh, as he's barreling through this, this seven-foot-tall orc is going to is gonna get the uh, rite of passage there. And uh, as he gets close to the, the southern gate, I sort of flop over in the pouch, climb out, grab my weapons off of his belt, and sort of s- slide down you know, and grab onto his belt as I climb down him and go, uh, thanks, Gil. I hope everything works out for you. And I sort of hold my little tiny hand up to, <laughs> to give him a, a little fist bump. And uh, I look out the southern gate. Do I see, There's. I assume everybody is now focused on this big explosion and the, and the beacons from the ships that nobody's really paying much attention to me. And I haul ass out the gate, taking the road towards Zexa. Okay, and as you do so, you're, you're right. I mean, you know the 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 gates in Drukal, like they're not like manned by guards or anything. Like you know that, but even just the the short time that it took to get to this this gate, like that, the glow is just intensifying from the mountains. Right, it just seems to be getting brighter and brighter, fighting back the darkness of the night. And if you want a straight shot to Drukal, you absolutely can. Well. As sad as it is, I don't think I have any enough information to search your call for Oric. So I think I have to find out from her directly, which is in Zexa. So I can't, I don't think there's anything else that that will help me in Drukal at this point. Now that Kepley's safe, I'm going to beeline it to Zexa. 
Now, the only road that runs south uh, actually connects your call from barracks. So it's not going to be road travel. You will be kind of uh, walking over like the, the bit of barren landscape before you kind of hit the hillish ter hilly terrain that surrounds the northern section of Zexa, which you know from when Chucky had led you and uh, the members of the party at the time to that cave uh, that Shakara had told you to run to is it kind of north of the city so outside of the city yeah i, I mean i'll take uh i would assume that my ability to somehow track and find my way through the wilderness would allow me to at least see by by landmarks and, and such how to navigate towards that yeah you you won't have a problem uh getting to zexas so to get where you're going, it's about 40 miles of travel. So it's like it's going to be a, a you know a day, day and a half uh, if you're traveling at a fast pace. Some point in there, you're going to need to rest before you have to start making rolls for exhaustion. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get until move until daybreak for sure through the uh, the darkness. Get myself to. A place where I can take a at least a short rest and look back at the mountains as I'm going to see you know does this look like it's getting worse does it look like you know what what's this what's the situation as I can get a better vantage point yeah absolutely so as you're as you're moving off like you can you know the obviously the further and further you get the less you're gonna less detail you're gonna be able to make out but what you can immediately see is you begin heading east is the the like the searchlight strobes of of the airships right they seem to be moving from the city limits a mile or two outside of the city like again further east and you can approximate like they're like it's approximately the the place where they had the tower where the tower is for the paladins right and you could just you're just witnessing these lights over you know the the few hours to daybreak that you're traveling moving back and forth between the city and this location, all the while backlit by this growing glow of red. You're walking for four or five hours probably before day starts to break, and the entire city of Drukal is overtaken by this lava flow. And about half that time, the ships stop moving between the city and the tower and these you've seen no activity for a solid two hours as you're making distance away from the city do i think there's been enough time uh from when i left shikara for her to have made it to the cave in zexa i don't think there's that much time has passed. she still have to be traveling yes absolutely she would still have to be traveling so really all you know is like Assuming that Shakara left immediately after she sent, she sent you that second message, like she's maybe more than an hour head start, essentially. Like if she was, if she were to go immediately east, it was going to be an hour and a half or so, or maybe closer to two before you could get to the Pussycat Palace to meet up with her. So she has that head start on you. And clearly her path is going to be a little different, uh, judging, just judging by closest gate to her would be the eastern gate to get out of the city so if you assume that that's the direct path that she is taking she still has about an hour head start on you okay i'm gonna take a short rest um i've been pretty much up 
since the early morning yesterday, correct? Yes. Because we left the tent, and we haven't stopped since then. So, yeah, yeah. So, so if you continue into the day, you'll have to make uh, constitution saving throws to avoid exhaustion. It is kind of... So we ruled before, I ruled with Shakara that it's into the next... 24-hour period, so if you were to long rest, you could gain that benefits. Because you're only supposed to gain the benefits of a long rest once every 24-hour period. So we might, might be a little flex on that, but we're, we're in a new day. So if you want to stop somewhere to camp and try to get eight hours, like from like dawn to, you know, into the day, and then continue the rest of the way once that's up, assuming you uh, it goes, uh, you know, uneventfully then you can you can certainly do that or you can risk getting there and fending off exhaustion i will say the dc is only 10 so it's, it's low <laughs> the uh the terrain in this area is there cover so you're about your five hours or so depending on how quickly are you moving at a fast pace when you're fleeing from Drakal? I think at the situation that I'm in right now, from a damage perspective and such, I probably would just be going at a at a jog. I would not be sprinting or anything. To, so I'd say at a, at a normal pace. So your normal pace uh, gets you about 15 or so miles, 12 to 15 miles outside of Trucal. Again, it's like an arid, it's kind of more deserty here now uh, on the southern part of, of the city. So there is no real like cover out here. Okay, I think I'm going to push on through the day until it gets uh, into the evening and try it. Once it gets dark, I'll try to take a long rest. So I'm going to take the risk of uh, a level of exhaustion here. But before I do that, I'm going, to, I'm going to sit down for about an hour. Any chance I can sit down and rest for about an hour or, or just sort of get my wits about myself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it doesn't seem like there's anything around you. So go ahead and roll any hit dice you have available. Okay, I'm back to full health. Sort of at my wit's end. So after that uh, short rest, I'm going to take off and, and try to make up for, for lost time and try to run a little faster, hopefully not be not getting exhausted in the process. And as you, you know, as you're moving east, like your, your path quickly, you need to veer kind of south east now, right? Uh, as you're a little, you're a little north of, of Zexa, but you do know, like you finally have, are, you're hitting now, like where the terrain starts to get a little more, uh, little, you know, with additional height, uh, some it's hills, right? You're in terrain now that like there is some cover if you wanted to find a, a, a better, more safer spot to hole up, but you're also only 12 miles, 10 to 12 miles from where you think you, where you need to be. I don't see any uh, sign or tracks, uh, knowing this might be the most, this is probably the way in which Shakara would come, I would think, or at least walk in this area. So as I'm, as I'm walking, I'm looking for tracks to see if I can find any, any indication that she may have came this way, and do I see anything like that? Uh, yeah, roll me a uh, perception. 16. You do see signs of, of foot traffic the some of these uh, tracks are, are they seem like they're kind of almost like a little obscured though uh, it seems strange there's there's certainly a, a, a number of boot prints uh, anywhere between like three to five different sets kind of in this jumble of, of tracks in addition to hoof prints uh, like f from that of a horse but also this kind of long 
you know, maybe about the width of a person, but drag marks as if, uh, like, a something, something heavy is being dragged behind the horse. Headed from Drukal to Zexa? They do look like they are headed on a kind of a southeast direction towards Zexa, yeah. Determining where exactly they're coming from, really, if you, you know, that's obviously, unless you wanted to backtrack and follow that to get a little more information... Just toes towards Zexa, not head any other way, mainly. Do I notice the creature size, like orcs versus humans? Do I see anything that might indicate that, you know, orc is with her? Or if that is, you know, being with her for some time, do I sort of know what her boot prints look like and, and such? Um, I would, I know you can't really determine like the owner of, of, of the boot prints, uh, but they do look like they would be medium sized, you know, humanoids. There's definitely like no, there's no like Niyogi tracks or anything like that. You don't see any, you don't really see any animal tracks, um, uh, where you are either. Headed towards Exa. Okay. I'm going to, uh, press on for now. Give you another con save. 23. <laughs> okay. So. Again, you're traveling at a fast pace, I assume. Yeah. Okay, so that's gonna be another another you know another hour gets you another four miles. You've got like a couple hours of travel left, and you're gonna be basically at the mouth of the cave. And I don't, uh, I don't, I mean, pressing on like this, I don't, uh, I still don't see off in the distance any anybody or anything over the horizon. Like they're also key. If if she was ahead of me, do I feel like I'd be starting to close the gap? Assuming that she was also pressing on, like the gap is going to be, is going to be the gap, you know. All right. Well, I still see tracks. I assume. Yep. Yep. I'm going to keep following the the line of tracks as long as it doesn't veer off from where I think the cave is uh, going to be. I'm going to follow those those tracks um, along, and keeping my uh, my view off into the distance. I think this is sort of flat land, so I should be able to see for a few miles, right? Well, and not in the not now that you're in the hills, not so much. Oh, okay, in the hills. All right, all right. Let's uh, let's continue to press on. All right, another hour for another another check here, another con save. Oh shit, eight. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, I don't have any luck points left. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of luck points. So that means you suffer a level of exhaustion. Is that your first level? One level of exhaustion. So as I'm sort of huffing along here, trying to catch my breath, I'm, I don't I don't see anything off in the distance yet. I'm getting really tired, uh, so I'm going to sit down and and uh, take a, a long rest. Well, that was a great show. We should all get together on the Discord. The links on the website cordialparty.com, and I know they appreciate the Patreon donations. That paranoia playthrough was so funny, don't you think? What? The ambient sounds? Oh, that's from TabletopAudio.com. It really set the mood. But the intro and outro music was from Josh Jarvis. Really should send him a message at jamesmercymusic at gmail.com. Oh, we all know that none of this would be possible without the wonderful Critical at Design, their biggest sponsor. Right, right, right. Yes, well. Some of us need to get up in the morning. Have a safe drive. <sighs> I thought I'd never leave. This has been a Sounds of Steel production.